This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to Stinking Truth Podcast. Make sure uh, you continue to uh, subscribe. Thank you so much for doing that. Send us a message, all those kind of things. Mark Schlereth, alongside my partner, Mike Evans. And uh, we are in the offseason, man. This is the procurement stage of the National Football League where you're talking about free agents, you're talking about, you know, about the upcoming draft, all the things where, you know, you're trying to, quote-unquote, win the offseason. Yep. So good time of year just to talk about the news of the NFL. Well, and, and for a lot of people, the most fun part is if you're one of those teams that's looking for a quarterback, you get excited about the potential of these college quarterbacks, right? right? And you've got the first tier of Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Then you got that next group that has the likes of J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and maybe even Michael Penix, although the jury seems to be out on Michael Penix. You did a breakdown of Michael Penix that caught – you caught a lot of blowback for some of the things you said about yeah. Michael Penix. Yeah, well, apparently there's a lot of people out there that uh, feel like uh, about Michael Penix like they did about Tim Tebow or, you know, the Rusties from the Russell Wilson camp. And, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things for me when, you know, I'm just looking at, at, at players. I kind of know what it's supposed to look like. And... You can give me all the numbers you want to give me, and you can kind of break down, you know, the the tangible skill set stuff. But when I watch it on tape, I know what looks like an NFL quarterback and what doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. And one of the things that resonates for me, I had this conversation with a guy by the name of Bill Lazor. You know, he was a longtime NFL coach, uh, offensive coordinator, worked in Houston this year in the development of C.J. Stroud. And so we're just having this conversation because I'm going to do a Houston game, and he's a great dude. And, you know, we have this long conversation just about C.J. Stroud and, like, hey, what he was is not what he is now, you know, when we first got him, and there were some growing pains and all this, that, and the other. But he said something to me that resonated. Like, you want to have tangible numbers and stuff because it makes you feel like you know what the you're doing, Right. You want to be able to say, hey, he's this tall and he runs this fast. He's got this kind of arm talent. And you want all these little let's say it's it's a way for people who don't know anything about football to get involved in football. And I I get it. I mean, there's room for analytics and all that kind of crap that I don't really buy into, but there's room for all that stuff. And it makes people feel good about, you know, I, I get to be a part of it and good for you. Good be a part of it. That's great. But the bottom line is. To me, what is transferable? And the conversation I had with him is it's not about who puts up the best numbers in college or who is the best season in college. It's the guy that has the most transferable skills to the next level. The most transferable part of his game, does it, does it, does it lend itself to playing at the next level? And the only way you can really look at that to me at some point is, is through the eyeball test. And when I looked at Michael Penix, now I only broke down one game. So I looked at one game 
But, but it was the, a it was a significant game. Right. It was the national championship game yeah. against Michigan. And I got blowback on Twitter, on X, or whatever you want to call it. Like, well, that's unfair because they were the best team in football, you know? And I'm like, you're shitting me, right? So he's only going to be the quarterback that plays against shitty teams? <laughs> like, hey, when we play the shitty teams, he's our guy. Right. When we play good teams, we're going to switch to this guy. Like, you're kidding me, right? Right. right. And so... I, I just looked at it from the standpoint of, okay, you're playing in the national championship game. And I think he went 29 of 51 or something of that nature, mm -hmm. had about five yards per pass play. He must have had 18 completions within either behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, or within four yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, I don't know that you could invent another way to throw a bubble screen. Like, whoever that offensive coordinator was in Washington, there are more bubble screens completed in that game from different looks and different formations and, and, you know, different personnel groupings than in the history of college football. And I had this same argument when Baker Mayfield came out. And one of the big arguments was, well, he's the most accurate quarterback in NCAA history. Well, I should hope so. You threw 14 bubble screens a game, you know? I mean, <laughs> you're, you walk into the game and you're 18 for 18. Right. Now, if you complete 50% of your, your balls that are intermediate balls, you're, you're sitting at 76%. I should hope you can complete 76% when those are the statistics involved. So there was a couple things. Number one, like everything was at the line of scrimmage. And then the, there's, there's a couple of different plays, but I'll just give you one. They had a two-by-two two mirrored concept, okay? So two-by-two, two, right? Tight ends in the middle, receivers outside. Both receivers hit an out route. Both inside guys with a single high safety leaning toward the, the guy on the right-hand side. Both guys ran seams, okay? Your first look was to the left to the guy running the seam. The overhang defender basically buzzed out, meaning he's going to play curl flat, right? So you're playing cover three. There's no question. I mean, I can see it like that. Single high safety, bam, he buzzes out. We're playing cover three. It's zone. Both linebackers were in A-gap walk-up, right? Double A-gap potential blitz. So meaning that the, the linebacker on that side has got to carry the seam. That's his responsibility. How in the hell are you going to carry the seam when you're in the A-gap walked up? The answer is you can't. So that guy runs, the overhang defender buzzes. Michael Penix looks at him. It's a wide-open 30-yard gain if you just throw it. What does he do? Takes the six-yard stick route on the outside, the six-yard out route. You, you have a line that you use a lot about what's open in Yes. Or it's covered in college what's versus what's right. open in the NFL. What's completely covered in college is wide-ass open in the NFL. Right. And you bypassed that throw. Now, there's a little bit of a layering to that throw, but if you completed it, it's 30 yards and you're in the red zone, if that guy makes the safety miss, it's a touchdown. And you bypassed it. Shit like that is like, you can't play for me. So it's the little things that you look at. Like on TV, if you watch the TV copy, you're at home watching the TV copy, you're like, hey, man, what a that's a great throw. Perfect on the out, you know, outside shoulder away from the – cornerback who's, you know, dropping out, but still perfect. Everything mechanically is perfect. It was great. I look at that. That's a minus, minus, minus for me. It's the worst throw. That's the worst decision you could possibly make. 
And then they, the lastly, I look at Penix, and I'm like, that arm slot? You know, I kept hearing about his arm talent, this, that, and the other. He's like, I mean. Well, he's left-handed, but yeah. Okay. He's going to get 14 balls a game blocked in right. the NFL. I just, like, like, hey, man, you can take him with your pick, but I ain't touching him with mine. So when you talk about transferable skills, so for everybody out there watching, what should they be looking for with these college quarterbacks when they look at the highlights or watch a, a, a game that they've recorded? What are those transferable skills that you're looking for, that yeah. they should be looking for? Like, one thing that's hard in college is there's so much spread, right? So there's a lot of a lot of static formations, three-by-two, you know, three-by-one, the wide side of the field and all that stuff. So transferable skills. Can you make a throw in a tight window? Can you make an anticipatory throw? And can you read through a progression? And progression passing is not something a lot, like there's not a lot of college football teams that do that. Like a lot of times you'll get into a situation, like let's say you're in three by two and you spread the whole defense out. Remember, wide side of the field in college football has got about 12 more feet or four more yards of real estate because of the difference in the hash marks. Yep. So you run a slant in college football and like you complete it and it's just wide ass open because they're playing some type of zone. Like let's not let's not sit there and go, oh my God, this guy is great. Like one of the things I, I go back when I was really covering the draft for ESPN back in a long time ago. And I remember I went up to NFL Films and I spent four days sequestered in a or three days sequestered in NFL Films where I had all the college tape. And so I was looking at all the first and second round guys, you know, at every position. And remember Matt Leinart was coming out, mm -hmm. and Matt Leinart was a very, you know, big-time prospect. And I was like, dude, you can't pass by the first read in your progression, which is a seam route that's wide-ass open, and you decide not to throw it. And then swing it out to Reggie Bush and he makes 14 people miss and goes for 65 yards and you're one for one with a TD and 65 yards and everybody says how great you are. That's not great. Like, if the first read your progression is a tough throw and you bypass it, like if you decide not to make tough throws in college football because there's something else wide open it's the first read you should make in your progression, no thanks. And then you go back and, and you look at just, like, I'll give you for instance. I'm talking to the Niners. I'm doing a Niners game, and we're talking about Sam Darnold. And I have a vested interest because I live in a city in Denver that needs a freaking quarterback. So I'm wondering about the football rehab. And... Here's a guy that's been in the league, what, now, four years, Sam Darnold, something like that? In 2018. 2018 draft, yeah. So 2018, 2019, Five 2020, years. 20, okay, this is the fifth year. So he comes into the Jets, spends his time with the Jets, what, three seasons or whatever it is, gets traded to Carolina. At the time, Carolina's got Matt Rule. Then Matt Rule gets fired, Steve Wilkes takes over, and Ben McAdoo takes over as his, as his offensive coordinator. So that's late in the 2022 season. That, call it eight games, was the first eight games in Sam Darnold's career that he was in a progression passing system. 
So here you have a guy that has all the tangible skills to be great, and he's an intelligent guy that was never truly ever put in an NFL offense. Right. And so it, it's things like that that you have to kind of look at. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to see. Um, and that film against Michigan, I don't care who you are, that film against Michigan was <coughs> was horrible. It doesn't make me an expert. It just make like I look at things and go, he can play. Like I I could go down, and this is honest to God's truth, and I think most players could do this. I could go throughout a practice, <coughs> my first practice yeah. of the preseason, like the first mini camp. Yep. And I could pick the roster to within two or three guys every single year. I could just watch a guy move and go, that dude can play, that dude can play. He don't have a chance. He sucks. Yeah. Well, tell the story. It, it goes back a ways, but go back to your days in Washington. Drafted two guys, one fourth or fifth <clears> overall, <throat> one in the seventh round. Well, you or can say the names. You said them before. No, I will, I will yeah. tell you. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to okay. get to it. We do the first, very first <clears throat> practice of minicamp. And so the starters go. John Freeze was our starter. It's 1994, I think. And then we sit out, and it's they re- repeat the 20. So we've already done the 20 plays, right? So we repeat the team period, another 20 plays. So we're just watching. I'm standing along with, you know, Riley McKenzie and Ed Simmons and, and you know, just the offensive line in general. I think Bostic was there. And um, or was Bostic retired? I don't know. But it, whatever it was. And watch about 15 plays of, of team, about ready to wrap it up. I turned to one of my buddies, I think Raleigh or whoever, and I said, I'm telling you right now, mark my words. The kid we drafted in the seventh round is ten times better than the kid we drafted fourth overall or whatever it was. I guarantee you, right now, kid we drafted fourth overall or fifth yep. overall, whatever, yep. he's Schuler. Kid we drafted in the seventh round, Gus Farratt. Gus Farratt went on to play a very long time. Heath didn't. You know, you can I, tell right away. <laughs> yeah. You just, you can, I mean, you can just, how does so many, why are so many mistakes made? I think, mis- why? Because uh, mistakes, I think most of the mistakes are made because of you overdraft guys and you hope under my expert tutelage, I'll fix them. I'll teach them how to play. So I think that's part of it. I think it's really hard to transition, you know, the college game. It's hard because it's different. It just is different the way they play it. So I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other thing is you rely on people to scout and the people who scout want to give you a tangible number so they're not wrong. So it's like baseball. Well, his spin rate, does he get guys out or does he not? Yeah, he had a a 6.86 ERA. Yeah, but his spin rate, who gives a shit, right? I don't care about your spin rate. You're right. So I think there's all these tangible numbers yeah. where you slide it over and go, here's our guy. Look, he ran, you know, 4640. Yeah. He's got big time arm talent. Checking he had a 40. Yeah, you're checking boxes. <clears throat> and then when you slide it over, you say, okay, that's on you now. If you can't coach him up, it's not my fault. And so everybody's got like instead of just putting it out there, right? Everybody wants that fallback. Yeah, scenario. job preservation. Yeah, yeah. just cover your so, ass. Yeah, I got you. So that I think that's one of the things that, that goes on. But I'm telling you, you talk to any player who's played any length of time in the National Football League, and they'll tell you, man, you could see right away that that guy was a player. Brian Mitchell should be in the Hall of Fame. 
Very first time he touched the ball. We're playing a preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons in Carolina, Washington Redskins, Atlanta Falcons. He gets in the game in the fourth quarter, return a kickoff. He's never returned kickoffs before. 99-yard house call. You're like, oh, yeah, that dude can play. Yeah. Like that dude. And you knew it in practice, though. You watch him in practice because he was a former quarterback. Should be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest special teams players in the history of our game. By the way, we just had one retire, Matt Slater, after 16 years for New England Patriots. Belichick calls him the greatest special teams player yep. in history. Yep. Think about that lineage. You know, we talk about the Matthews all the time. Jackie played for 20 years, his father. Matthew just played for 16. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's some, some that's football some, genes right there. That's some genetics, man. Well, so hopefully now all of you who were told at the beginning of this podcast that you know nothing about football, now yeah. you have been educated to the point that when you look at these college quarterbacks, you now know what to look forward to. You have been educated. Yeah, probably not. You guys probably still don't get it. But you know what? Look at the I completion mean, percentage. Yeah, woo. Woo, woo, this guy's so accurate. Woo. Like, like. So like when, jo- when Josh Allen came out, I like Josh Allen a lot. Yeah. And people were like, well, it's completion percentage. I go, have you ever been to Laramie, yeah. Wyoming? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever? It's, it's a wind a, tunnel. It's a freaking wind tunnel. Yeah. Right. And plus, how many dudes that are like legit wide receiver guys want to go to Laramie, <laughs> Wyoming to play football? No offense, Laramie, but you are windy. <laughs> you are windy. It is windy. It is windy. We've never been there. Trust yeah. me, there's no and, real and, reason oh, by to the go. Way, oh, by the way. They actually, who was the quarterback, or who was the coach back? Was it, was it Glenn, Joe Glenn? They actually played an NFL style of offense. Yeah. So Something else to look forward to is transferable. Yeah, that, like, do you, do you play? That's why J.J. McCarthy, at least I know he played with tight ends. He played with a fullback. He played in a progression style of offense. It wasn't just all spread stuff. So, like, his, his ability to transition from – college to, to professional should be accelerated because he actually under Jim Harbaugh played like like Andrew Luck did you know they're gonna run spider to Y banana you know they're gonna do that stuff so anyhow I'm on a soapbox I apologize it's all right it's a very important time these college quarterbacks they could represent the the future of a franchise got to know what you're looking for as a fan so good stuff and then next week we uh we start getting ready for the combine, oh and gosh. maybe we'll know where Justin Fields is going to end up. Russell Wilson's future. Oh. Yeah, Prescott gotta, yeah. is he going to reset the market for NFL quarterback contracts? A lot of stuff happening. Man, I tell you what, we're going to have a big week next week. Big week because we're going to go through it all yep. right here on the Stinky Truth Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with you a couple times next week, and uh, we'll continue to have this train rolling down the tracks. A chugga chugga, a choo choo.